Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. Got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons, official show of UTHDynasty.com, home to the UTH Dynasty Trade Calculator, 250-plus premium podcasts, in addition to the things that you hear for free with no advertising on a weekly basis between Katie and I here on the UTH podcast uh, du jour. And this week, we have a very fun episode. We're going to talk about team building, the concepts that go into the early rounds, building your core. We say these phraseology um, terms over and over again, but we're going to actually go into brass tacks. Where do we sit June, July, 2022 of some strategy points? We're going to go through about six rounds or so and just show you some highlight points of maybe this is a spot to trade up, trade back, and uh, how would we build a super flex team? So Katie, a lot goes into this. Of course, People need to listen to the premium shows. We do a lot on draft, uh, war room preparation episodes, interrogation room, post game reports. But we're going to try to encapsulate a few bullet points here and talk about some specific players in this episode. I absolutely love this. I think it's a great topic. I think it's underrated as far as dynasty content. And this time of year is especially rife with startup drafts and rookie drafts and there's a long off season so people get antsy and a startup draft is you know whet your appetite let's go but there's certain strategies that i've found through the years have withheld and they meet the under the helmet strategies as well and i know as far as you go we're pretty much on the same page when it comes to a startup, but there's still some differences and I'm very interested to find out how we compare. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about round one, because obviously if you have an early draft position, stay there. If you have a late draft position and stay there or trade to get there, it's a little bit different calculus. I, I would say round one, round two are the two spots. I think we kind of need to identify Hey, if you're in this, if you're in this location, then we'd be looking in this direction. If you're in the later part of the round, here's a different way to look at it. Just because I think in round three, things start to open up and we, you can look at probably the population at large and, and there's a lot less variety of, well, if you're late in the round, you can't get this guy. I don't think that really applies. So early in round one, later in round one, if you draw those draft positions, uh, or maybe what would be your preference? You know, If you get to choose, what are you kind of thinking? Because round one, and frankly, the first couple rounds set the table for what matters with your draft position. Oh, absolutely. And I'm a firm believer in build your core. If it's a premium position, then if you can address that in round one with a stable asset, great. But if the asset is overrated or hyped is more the word when it comes to dynasty, there's a lot of hype on Twitter. There's a lot of hype here and there. You have to discern 
what is hype versus what is real. And that's where you can win and lose. Yeah. I think, I think if I have an early position or if I have an opportunity to have an early position in Superflex, I generally take it. I, I think right. getting that anchor quarterback uh, is a comfort. Now, what I would say is where that line is, is probably where it varies person to person. I think if you sit at, say, 104, I don't feel quite as good. A lot of times you see a string of quarterbacks to start. Maybe you see Jonathan Taylor mixed in. Maybe you see Jamar Chase. But I think in general, I feel good with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, lesser so Justin Herbert, but all three guys. I am comfortable saying I'm in an early position. I'm probably going to stay. If I explore some trades, you better pay up. But in the mid first round, that's where I'm more likely to move up or move down to get to a more optimal spot. What about you? No, I don't disagree with that. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and I put Justin Herbert there. I'm, I, I have no qualms about that. I think he is he is solidified at the 103. But where I, ha- where I start to take a front is Joe Burrow at four. No way am I taking Joe Burrow. I would rather take Jamar Chase at four. I have to stick and pick. I don't want – I just absolutely do not want Joe Burrow. I don't want Kyler Murray. I don't want Lamar Jackson. So that's a perfect trade-back spot. If I don't want to take Jamar Chase – and I want to explore possibilities. Somebody wants to covet Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow. They're going to move up for him. Let them take it. I have no interest in Jonathan Taylor. As much as I love the guy, I don't build my dynasty teams in round one around a running back very often, if ever. And so those are, if you don't get the top three, top four, then that's a perfect trade back spot. Yeah. And I think, I think if you take willingly 104, you're, you're playing with fire, knowing that, you know, you might miss out Burrow chase might be the guys left for you as the first three quarterbacks go off at 103. You have a chance at Mahomes. We've seen Mahomes fall behind Herbert at times. Allen goes 101, quite a heavy majority of the time. So um, that's the lay of the land. So if you're looking later in the round, are you more likely to trade than if you're earlier in the round to get a haul? Or do you think maybe round two, not round one, would be a spot where, okay, if I'm looking to trade back, I'm looking to get additional pieces, it's more so round two? Or do you even include later round one in that? Well, again, it depends on my league mates. Every league is their own their own model, uh, if you will. But I'm not going to pay up. I'm not going to pay 104 for Joe Burrow or Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson. If I have to, if I try to trade and I can't get what I want, I'm sticking and picking Jamar Chase. I'm not picking one of those quarterbacks because what you're essentially saying is that the 104 is the exact same price as the 101. It's closer to those other guys than it is to the guys behind them. Right, right. So if there's four quarter, three quarterbacks that go off the board and you're at the 104, you either have to change position and take the 101 of that position or trade back. Yeah. I think to me, the glaring lights, if I'm later in the round, if I do stick and pick, for me, it's Dak Prescott. Um, I think he's the best combination of age, production, situation, 
and positional value there among the other quarterbacks. I actually prefer him to Kyler Murray and a lot of the guys that might go in the mid first. And then I prefer him over the the quarterbacks that are probably going to go in round two. And I think, you know, in the first couple rounds, you do have to play the positional premium game. You do need an anchor quarterback if you can. And if you can't, that's where I think it becomes a, a pretty debatable point of, I really got to think about trading down. And do I see player X at a different position truly being a game changer and a build around guy much greater than a guy around or two later? Yeah. I mean, things change so much at the position from year to year, but guys were in that, that were in the mid first range, not too awful long ago. Baker Mayfield was like one Oh six in a startup draft. Jameis Winston at one Oh, at one point was one Oh four to one Oh six in a startup draft. Carson Wentz, not too awful long ago, was in that 104 to 106 range in a super flex startup draft. Marcus Mariota, not too awful long ago, was in that 104 to 106 range. That is a very, very tough range. And unless they've proven, like I think that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert have proven enough that over, yeah, they're going to fluctuate. They're, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be times where they're not the stud, but you're betting on the consistency and the studness through the years. A guy like Joe Burrow hasn't proven anything to me. A guy like Kyler Murray still and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's not a passer. He gets his fantasy points on running. If you only look at that, and he never loses his legs, great. But what I found is guys like Robert Griffin and some of the other running quarterbacks, even Marcus Mariota, people figure out how to play that run. If you can't pass, that's a big difference. Yep. And I'd rather trade back and get extra assets and bet on something else and have more in my arsenal in a startup draft rather than betting on a guy like Joe Burrow to consistently finish. You're basically saying he's a top four quarterback for his dynasty career yep. on average, on average. Yep. And I don't think that's the case. I really don't. Broadway Joe versus average Joe. Right. <laughs> or a little right. bit above average Joe. Um, round two. Uh, so if you don't get quarterback in round one, or if you do get quarterback in round one, does that shape what you're kind of looking to do here? If you have one quarterback, is the pressure off? If you don't get the quarterback, is the pressure on? Because it's super flex. And you and I have talked about this, you and me and Tim, you and me and Jordan. I don't have to get my second quarterback for much later unless they're the value. So I don't press it. Now, if I didn't get a quarterback in round one, I am looking at guys like Russell Wilson, even Deshaun Watson, who is, I think he's even like his ADP is 203, but I've seen him slipping, especially with the news lately, like to the late round two. I think that's a bargain for a top five potential quarterback. And maybe he gets a year suspension. I don't think it's going to be indefinite. I've been reading the tea leaves and the news pretty well, but I think he's a value. I think Russell Wilson is, is undervalued. Um, I, and 204 is rich for him. I think usually 
you'll see him slide to a little bit later. But if I don't get my quarterback in round one, I'm completely happy with betting on guys like Trevor Lawrence, who had a really rough, I'll take the discount on Trevor Lawrence in the mid to late second round of a startup draft and then get my stud wide receiver in round one or trade back from round one. Yeah, I think you're highlighting some good names. I'll mention at the end of the round, someone like Matthew Stafford as well is a yep. very stable, solid option when you look at his setup with the Rams, and the weapons, um, and what he's built, and he's still in the first half of his 30s. So that's a good roadmap. We haven't mentioned a lot of other positions because frankly, that's the 1.0 strategy. And if we brought two tight end to that, we'd be talking about tight ends as well, but that's not for this conversation. And then round three, four is where Honestly, this is where I bring up the point that if I need to use these picks to move up, if I in the first couple rounds to get who I want, maybe it's a luxury pick. Maybe it's to stack Dak Prescott with another stud quarterback. Maybe I want to mix in Justin Jefferson if I find value. Something else in round two. I'm okay moving up from round three because I think round three and four, I could make a strong argument that five and six aren't very much different than four, three and four. So if you have to move and juggle, and it's it, it's we, we've seen environments, it, it, you know, every every league is different. It could be very affordable to move up where it's like, oh, I move up six spots, I get the guy I want, and I only have to move back like from around four to five. I mean, it's basically free. And so you have to be open to that. And you can't just sit there and go, I don't trade up. I only, tra-, you know, I only trade back. And but if the league is telling you it's really affordable, make sure you're targeting big time value in the first 15, 20, 25 picks if they're just giving it to you. Well, yes, exactly. And every league is structured differently, the different people. But if if everybody wants to trade back, that is your opportunity to trade up relatively cheaply because. They're not going to find a trade partner. And if they're going, if they really are dead set on trading the pick, give them that, facilitate them. Yeah. So if I had to stick and pick in round three, again, this is not optimal in my opinion. This is where you're getting um, plenty of wide receivers, but honestly, I don't see that there's huge value. I do like profile. You know, I try not to go overly old. I don't know about you, Katie, but my first wide receiver in a dynasty build in the first three, four rounds, I'm okay to the older guys, but guys like Mike Evans are available way late. So I don't really know, you know, who he won the UTH. I, lo- I will always love you award. Devontae Adams, right. I love you, man, but right. I, I'm not going with you as my wide receiver one here in round three. I just can't do it. So, that's why I look at younger guys, you know, that again, suboptimal. I don't really like this zone, but that's why you have to look at maybe a T. Higgins or an AJ Brown, or you have to be younger at the position. Uh, you know, Drake London, I don't really like going that direction either. I want to get some sort of substance and profile of production in, in, in the NFL. So it's a little different than drafting rookie 101 or rookie 102 three, four months ago, you know, if rookie pick slots are in the startup draft. So that's something that has changed as well. But what stands out for you here in round three? Yeah. So if I didn't get a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson in round one, if if I'm in the middle of round one and I don't get one of the top three quarterbacks and I can't get a trade back, I'm going to go for a guy like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson more so than CD Lamb, I think he's more of that albatross in the in. If you were to, tra- he's more of a reach at that point. If you're in the middle of the first, 
So in the third doubling back, let's say I got my quarterback in round one and I traded back in round two. And so now I've got a stick and pick. I want to take a guy um, like a T Higgins, somebody that's decent age. I don't want a Cooper cup. I don't want somebody that's on the older side. I don't even want an AJ Brown at that point. I, I would rather take a shot at a Jalen Waddle over a Stefan Diggs um, and a Devonte Adams just to get those extra years because year one in a startup is the least like it doesn't matter that much. It's tough if to win. Were, There's right. gonna be some teams going dead red trying to win. So you're you're exactly. probably behind those guys. Right. And so I'm not going to take, I agree with you. I'm not going to take that Drake London type. That's giving up too much value. Then you're putting all the risk on yourself. Find a trade back. Even at that point, a marginal trade back would be better than trying to take. Sharpshoot. Who's going to be in the best of the next 20 picks. Exactly. And wide receivers are a dime a dozen. If you have to start three, then yeah, you want at least a couple of them that are on the younger side that you can work with so that you can build the rest of your roster around them. But you're building your core in a super flex. You want your quarterbacks. That doesn't mean you have to go back-to-back quarterbacks. And it doesn't even mean that you have to take a quarterback in round three. But you're looking at the board and the value. What's falling to you? A guy like Trey Lance is way over his value. I like his ADP is 207. I see him going round one more often than not. And he hasn't done anything. But it's just ripe That's, with risk. I mean, you got Justin yeah. Fields. Like, here's the, the problem is if if you don't get a quarterback that you feel has a sound profile in the first 20, 25 picks of the of the of the draft, then you might be staring and you might take the bait. Let me take Justin Fields. Let me take Tua. Let me take you know Zach Wilson. Uh, you know as my QB one. You are very very risk you know risky. And you're like, oh well, if I hit, then I've got a guy that's first round. Careful, very yeah. careful. Yeah. And the other thing you said about the older wide receiver, this is a completely different conversation than how we feel about guys like Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams in an existing league, an already contending and built roster. You might've had Devontae Adams at age 27, did a startup draft a couple of years ago. Here you are contending. Yeah. There's not a big reason to trade Devontae Adams in that scenario. We like it. We're in the Devontae Adams business in that scenario, but this is from the ground up and in the first two, three picks uh, of your whole franchise completely different conversation of player value and target profiles. Absolutely. Uh, so everything. Yeah. And, and then round four, again, once again, uh, what's your feel? We haven't talked about tight end much. What's your feel in a start one? No frills, no big premiums. Do you look at some of the, the high level players of like, oh, I'd rather get a, a stud tight end than a high quality wide receiver. What are you kind of thinking in terms of those positions? Is it one versus the other? Does there have to be striking value among the top four or five tight ends? If I'm going to get one of those top four or five tight ends, it's got to be a striking value because I think that even though the position is tough to identify while they're young guys like Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, they're not going to be top three or four guys. Evan Ingram even. I mean, you can get a discount on some of the other tight ends and you can waffle at that position. You can have three or four deep with a start one and play the matchups and still be successful. 
and then eventually luck your way into a trade that throws in at this point, maybe three years from now, Noah Fant at 27 years old, people are starting to bail on him and you get him for cheap, cheap. And he rounds out your team. That's already strong, that kind of thing. So I'm not so concerned in a start one tight end, especially if it's only 1.0 PPR. I'm not that concerned at grabbing a top tight end early because again, if I have to start three wide receivers and I can start two quarterbacks, running backs are easy to find in rookie drafts. Tight ends are easy enough to trade for or find off the waiver wire in a start one, no premium. And those older guys like Kelsey, if they if a contender falls out of it, you can get them for less than exactly. you can in this startup. You know, off the rack sticker price. Uh, on the display, you know, display floor of the the showroom there. Um, exactly. One of the key points I would make in round four or five that you know, again, I think it's sameness. You know, I think there's a lot of sameness here, and to step up, I need value. So I'm open to plenty of these guys, but if I had to stick and pick, you know, in these requisite spots, you know, DJ Moore would be a really nice, say, wide receiver two in this zone. If you need to stick and pick, Deontay Johnson has a built-up profile of production. Uh, Kirk Cousins, if he's your QB two, you start looking at that maybe in round five and and see some value here. He's going a decent amount. Uh, cheaper than Derek Carr. So I always like to see what that Carr-Cousins split is. I know Carr, uh, in my opinion, aptly is rising a little bit with uh, Devontae Adams from a year ago. A lot of high expectations there. But I just need to find value. I mean, I've actually found a spot where Saquon Barkley falls, you know, 5-12, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, I I moved back. I got a couple fifth rounders. I might be open to that. But, you know, if it's mid-fourth, I'm not open to that. So I, I think you need to be very pliable and flexible Starting in round four of just moving up, moving back, who's falling, and kind of adjusting your sights once you already have, say, a quarterback, a wide receiver, and then maybe you've built up a couple extra picks in the top 100 because of a trade or two. Yeah. And the other got to look at is the price tag for those wide receivers. We know that Drake London and his ADP puts him a lot higher than a guy like Traylon Burks. Is there really that much difference? Between the two, when it comes to the riskiness and the profile and everything else, are you really willing to pay a full round and a half up for Drake London over Traylon Burks? And then even behind Traylon Burks, you got guys like George uh, uh, Pickens. Pickens, thank you. I was thinking Pittman, but I was like, that's not right. Uh, so George Pickens, much, much later, you can get a guy like that. And and there goes your risk factor at all. But like Traylon Burks is six-round ADP. I think he can be every bit as good as Deontay Johnson in round four. Or, But you just want to continue to layer. you got guys like DK Metcalf in that 311 zone, Tyreek Hill, uh, we mentioned Drake London. I'd rather have either one of those guys before Drake London. I'd rather have Michael Pittman over Drake London and, and Deontay Johnson over Drake London, just because of the risk factor in a startup draft. You have to figure out who can escalate from where you pick them. So a guy like Traylon Burks that you could get in the sixth round they could escalate to second round value. He doesn't have to. Year. He doesn't have to do a ton to be a top thirty player. Right, 
That yeah, exactly. Have some so, moments. Have one big game. A couple long touchdowns. Doesn't have to be a top twenty producer. Right, and at that point in the sixth round, he's he's probably your wide receiver two, if not wide receiver three. Yeah. So one thing we haven't addressed, talk about, you've mentioned the young wide receiver. Talk about blending producers for now. Maybe as we get into round five, six, seven, you start to bring in guys like Josh Jacobs, Mike Evans, Ezekiel Elliott. Where do you stand on blending? Well, these guys are on, say, multiple year windows but yet they might not be as insulated as a lot of the the core level guys mentioned in the first three, four rounds. Are you starting to build out lineup when you get to the end of this first six, seven rounds, or are you still thinking, let me get more insulation or like you mentioned with Traylon Burks, let me get guys that I think can cut their ADP in half next year. It depends on what I've already got by the time I get there. And so there's no definitive answer, but if I feel like I'm pretty stacked, then yeah, I'm going to grab a guy like Mike Evans to pad that so that I... I As your wide receiver three or something. At, or four even right. at that point. So at Josh Jacobs as my potential running back too, I mean, I do try to stay away from running backs in a startup draft until later than most people would. But again, it's because I know they're the easiest to find in rookie drafts in the future. And... I'd rather struggle year one than struggle the entire time or be middle of the road every single year. The goal of dynasty is to either be the best every year or to have a year or two of struggle and then be the best every year. You don't want to be in the middle. You don't want to be stuck in the middle and that happens. But then if you're stuck in the middle and you're perpetually stuck in the middle, You've got to decide, do I break this down? Do I blow it up? Like, what do I do? And that's the toughest position to be in. So I think building your core based on your scoring settings, based on your lineup settings, based on your roster depth is the most critical thing when it comes to a startup draft. Superflex is not the same as start to quarterback. So I can wait. My quarterbacks don't have to all be young. If I got that one stud, I'm more than willing to wait. But if I don't get that young stud, then I probably want a couple of middling guys and maybe a couple of more depth guys that could potentially rise up in value. Yeah, I think I think blending the now and blending the later and the anchor guys. And that's kind of what we're talking about in the top 60, 70 picks is if you end up getting, say, you know, Justin Jefferson and T. Higgins, then I think you feel a lot more open to, well, let me throw in, you know, a Chris Godwin, a Mike Evans, a, you know, insert 26 to 29 year old or two here. Yet if you get squeezed out on that and now you're shifting down, you know, you may go, well, let me go for Traylon Burks. You know, let me go for younger and maybe a little riskier. Maybe we haven't seen quite as much, you know, that, oh, I got DJ Moore as my number one, but you feel a whole lot better if he's your number two. Like these are just examples that, and then again, if you're able to make a big splash trade down of like, oh, well, I, you know, traded from round three to round five and I got round five, round six and round eight for that. Like if you're able to do or you know round eight and you moved up from round fifteen or whatever, that you now have three picks and you have bonus selections in a critical range that you say, well now I can actually 
uh, I can actually boost my lineup. I can get a freebie pick. Like maybe that's, you know, I wasn't planning on it, but now Zeke is my running back two, or now Mike Evans is my wide receiver four. And that may not have been with just my normal allotment, or if you ended up trading down and picking up a 23 first or something, you didn't get a bonus pick per se. So that that really shades the difference there, as you were mentioning. Can I, I wanted to ask one more thing about the quarterback, because a player we haven't mentioned much, and I think he's a really interesting profile because you say successful rookie season, very divisive. A lot of people think maybe there's no ceiling here, but what do you think about someone like a Mac Jones because he's affordable? And do you think he's someone that where does he fit with what you did at QB1, let's say, in the first three, four rounds? Or does he not really fit with any of the, the game plans you would project to have? If Mac Jones ended up my QB2, I'd be fine with that. I don't think it like you've got him listed as 503 ADP startup. I, I see him going earlier than that. Okay. Just because of age. So if people are ageist, and all they are thinking about is I got to get a young quarterback. They're probably going to want Mac Jones more than I do. But if he becomes a value, I love Mac Jones. I love his profile. I think he's going to be solid. I think Mac Jones is what Joe Burrow, everybody, like everybody's putting Joe Burrow up there in the top four. How is he that much different from right. Mac Jones? Should the spread be QB four to QB twenty or something? Like, it, right. should that really be as that wide? Right. So I'd rather have Mac Jones at the discount. Thank you very much. As my QB two. Now I would not feel comfortable with Mac Jones as my QB one, leaving a draft. And I think that he's pressed up a little bit higher than his ADP shows. And so for that reason, I don't think I've got a lot of shares of him from startup drafts because I'd rather have a Matthew Stafford than a Justin Fields or uh, a, a Mac Jones, which is what I've traditionally seen. Now I'd rather have a Derek Carr over a Mac Jones again, because count. And even like a lot of people are really downing Ryan Tannehill because already Malik Willis has won the job and, and he <laughs> is the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. If you're betting on Malik Willis, then God love you. I'll take Ryan Tannehill every day. So it's just a question of what is your league coveting? As you roll through the draft, you've got to constantly be shifting values and looking for those drops in values. Guys like Christian Kirk, he could be a very good wide receiver for your squad if you need to start three wide receivers, but he's not going to cost you the same as uh, Debo Samuel or a Cooper Cup or Devonte Adams or any of those guys, and yet you can still get them four rounds later. Yeah, and, and for wide receiver, I always like to, if it's a start three, to me that number is five or six that I'm kind of yeah. looking to yeah. get out of the draft. And I think blending, it might be three younger and two older. It might be three and three. It might be two and four. I think you have to be a little flexible on what comes at you. And then the other point would be, I always just at every position, and, and I don't do this formally, but you just kind of start looking. And you know, if you look at an ADP list, what have you, start highlighting who you like and just sort of like who stands out within that ordering. And 
you know, if you make it a part of your plan and you say, well, I'm likely to be in the mix or be more aggressive on someone like, say, Mike Evans, you know, and I know I'd like to have him around here on my depth chart. Or if maybe your line in the sand is Christian Kirk, you know, as one of your final wide receivers, or Brandon Cooks, or if it's George Pickens, or insert two or three different guys, and you say, that's like the line in the sand of my wide receiver five, let's say. And so if that's where you know you are, and that's in round, you know, I'm not going to speculate because I, I don't know it offhand, but let's just say that's round, what do you think? Round, is it nine? Uh, yeah, yeah, round, let's say round nine, you know, like round eight or nine, you're like, oh, Brandon Cooks, like it'd be really nice to get him in that range. So if you know you want him as your wide receiver four or five, you need to know that you're getting to that number. So the, the, you start doing, it's, it, it's like uh, mathematics and equations to building your depth chart. But one thing we haven't addressed is there's plenty of flexible lineup formats that might start two wide receivers, might start one. And this falls in line with what you said with Superflex, where it's a flexible spot with a wide receiver. So you don't have to go as deep as if, if, if you want. If it's a start one and it's not 1.25 PPR or point per target or some other machinations with scoring that boost the position, then maybe rostering two or three wide receivers is plenty in a start one. Maybe four is the max instead of six. So this is the type of thing of you have to get your head around how you see the build going. Be flexible when you get in there. You might make more trades just because you find value, uh, say, down the board. But uh, I think these are the types of things you kind of go into it and go, what would I like to do? And then pivot a little bit as necessary where Hey, if you find value at tight end, maybe you roster just one tight end because it's 25-man rosters and you're like, eh, I'm good to go. So you just keep passing because you don't find the right mix of value. And then sometimes you might be like, hey, <laughs> the outright best player available at a certain spot happens to be my tight end too. I can't let the league off the hook. So that might change your dynamic of like, I didn't plan on getting two tight ends, but now I have two, two ones that I like for big value. Well, exactly. And the other part of the equation that a lot of people forget about is it's just as important to look at how many starters, not just that it's three to six wide receivers, but do you have to start nine total wide, nine total players, right? Or, or 12 11 yeah. total players or Seven, 13, yeah. whatever total yeah. players are kickers and defenses part of that equation or not. I mean, it, it makes a huge impact on, what you accept for a trade, what you trade back or decide to stick and pick. There's a lot of factors, but it comes down to the strategy of it, which positions are the most important in a startup to build your core and which positions are easiest to hit on in rookie drafts and then reverse engineer it. I like to reverse engineer my yeah. draft based on, okay, I know that running backs year over year are pretty easy to hit on in rookie drafts. They really are. In Debbie drafts and rookie drafts, running back is the easiest position to grow organically. There's that word. Tim loves it when I say you grow your running backs organically. Farm, farm fresh. Right. Farm <laughs> fresh right off the vine. Have your own garden. That's, that's exactly it. So they're, they're like a Cadillac. When you drive them off the lot in a startup draft, they lose value immediately. Like as much as I love Jonathan Taylor – I'm not going to draft him as my first round startup pick. I won't. I'm sorry. I won't. But that's a good opportunity to trade back if somebody else values him or, or potentially Lamar Jackson or whoever is in that first round that you don't 
if, if you, if you build your team in tears, you won't have tears to shed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll extrapolate on one of the points you said, because I recorded a, a premium show on it, I think in the last week or so, uh, basically about the dynasty sandbox. And so I'll highlight because it's building your team in reverse. But I think part of the discussion you have with a co-owner, if that's your environment, but also if it's just you, uh, as you're prepping for the draft and as you're going through it, have a sense of how much you're going to play the waiver wire. Because those are freebie, flexible, I call them sandbox spots. That how much do you want to play? How many toys do you want in there? Because if, if it's 22-man roster, 24-man roster, you may not have that many that you want to allocate. The waiver wire might be pretty robust. Um, are you going to use two spots for that? Five spots? If you're in 35-man roster, you might only have a few because the waiver wire is not going to be uh, that fruitful. So do all this calculus because that's going to affect what you're doing in the mid rounds and the later rounds of the startup draft. That if you are a serial, like I'm, I'm a churn and burn guy. Like I need to have flexibility of, of the final few roster spots. And if I don't feel I have that, I need to try to get it. I need to try to sell some players for picks. I need to go two for one. I need to do something uh, in order so I can play in my sandbox. Other people might just want to draft their profiles in the first 20, 22, 24 rounds and say, I don't really need that much flexibility, maybe one spot you know, to, to move guys out. And it's mainly if guys hit IR or something like that. So those are two extremes for, for dynasty owners and their habits post-startup draft in an existing team environment. So you really have to know that in your startup draft because then, uh, again, you might, might just completely disperse from, say, round 18 through 24. It doesn't really matter to you. Because you're going to wait till August and want to use spots in September and just get from the waiver wire, churn and burn, try to trade and flip and uh, streaming start and all this kind of stuff. Other people might be like, well, I like to draft these certain profiles and I want to sit on them for the whole year and I'm not going to play it much. I'm not telling you which is right because I think you can win and be, be of high quality with those roster spots either way, but just know your DNA and personality type because if you do the opposite in the startup draft and then your sandbox is the wrong side, the size, you're either going to be cutting players that you had too much allegiance to uh, in the, the startup draft, or you're going to be too sticky with them and, and end up not moving even when there's glaring plays off the waiver wire. So that'd be my biggest point of the second half of your startup draft. We didn't cover it in this episode, but it's still very important. But you got to know yourself and your personality type or that of your co-owner. Uh, and, and so you guys create a plan together for what makes sense months down the line. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing is, even though I don't want to draft running backs early in a startup draft, by the time it gets to mid like round nine, round 10 and, and beyond, I'm looking for undervalued running backs. I'm looking for running backs that in year one, during the season, if they're the starter, you could potentially trade them for a 23 first or even a 24 first, any first. So I pad the running backs late but I want my wide receiver or quarterback core early. And then I'm looking again for value undervalued players at every position guys that could rise in season that you could trade again. Year one is the least important. So you're trying to build a core 
you're trying to get future picks and especially in good drafts 23 looks strong from my Debbie prognosis 24 looks fairly strong so if you can get even if people balk at a 23 first because they heard it's a really good class okay ask for a 24 first at this point it's looking pretty good yeah, excellent stuff, Katie. Uh, we should probably mix in uh, another time before we get to the season of starting some startup strategy here on the weekly show. We talk about it plenty on the premium side when our drafts end up arising on our personal front. We both done startups in 2022 here. Reminder to catch her between episodes. You got questions, reach out on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder about UTHDynasty.com. Never been a better time if you have a startup draft coming up. You can sign up for the trade calculator and get a free custom draft board. I know I just created about 10 hours of work for myself because I get a lot of requests when I mention it. But again, I think this is the perfect time next few weeks, stabilized in terms of NFL news, uh, most of the t- most seasons. And this is the perfect time to dive in to a fresh startup draft. And you can get a custom draft board for me if you sign up for the UTH trade calculator. And again, highly, highly recommend it. You're going to get it ordered by positional ADP. You're going to get custom UTH values for your format. It's going to make it uh, paint by number uh, pretty much worth, for you to see. Gold. Exactly. You got a startup draft, invest in yourself, invest in the tools to help you and enhance your experience. And if you have an auction, I mean, forget about it. I mean, because you start changing what the, the salary cap is for each team. And you know what? It's all about prep and it's all about doing that pre-draft work because uh, in an auction, you're going to be a lot of people are just going to go researching and trying to find auction values. They're going to start doing, you know, multiplication on their own, and who knows what they're going to be dealing with. And it's just, uh, it's like Lord of the Flies out there when you get bidding. It's like, oh, well, it's three hundred and seventy-four dollar, you know, per team cap, and it's fourteen teams, and it's all this kind of stuff. Don't worry, I'll do the work. I'll do the math for you, so you're set up to go, and the values will just be right there in front of you to develop and execute your best auction plan yet. So for Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. This is like at a, a poker table when you're like, you feel so bad that you give them their money back just to take it within the next hour again. <laughs> <laughs>